This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, April 29th, 2021. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include another round of OS updates bring needed security patches to your Apple devices. Apple's AirDrop can be used to target some of your personal data by hackers. Some personal experiences using Apple's new color calibration feature of Apple TV. Plus, have you thought about how you could use Apple's new AirTags? We've got some ideas. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing fine. We did the whole update thing again. It seems like it wasn't long since the last time we updated everything, everything being macOS, iOS, iPadOS, tvOS, HomePodOS, watchOS, anything else did I miss? Sounds like about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big list for sure. Still waiting for Toaster OS and Microwave OS. Yeah. Oh, of course, there's the Safari update, uh, an Xcode update. Oh, and iCloud for Windows. Let's not forget that one. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> we have so many listeners who probably use iCloud for Windows. Hey, we, we actually might. Perhaps we do. Hey, if you use iCloud for Windows, send us an email, podcast at intego.com. I'm curious to know. All right. So we got a whole bunch of updates. Now, there are a couple of things in particular. One of those is that apparently there was a big Mac OS vulnerability that made it possible for malware to be able to run more easily on Macs and bypass Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper is this mechanism to protect Macs from malware and and known existing malware. And there was a way to bypass Gatekeeper that has been fixed in Big Sur version 11.3, as well as in macOS Catalina. There was a security only update that was released for Catalina called Security Update 2021-002 Catalina. And it fixed that particular vulnerability among some others. Now, there was, of course, an update for Mojave as well. Apple typically updates the current and two previous versions of macOS. However, the Mojave security update does not list that particular vulnerability as something that's been patched. So that means one of two things. Either the bug does affect Mojave and Apple just chose not to fix it, or the bug doesn't affect Mojave for some reason. So we haven't yet confirmed that, but that is good to know. And as we always say, it's best if you can be running the latest Mac OS to be on the latest. I'm going to vote for the second option that it just doesn't affect Mojave. I, you know, I hope not, but there have been cases in the past where even with open source software that had been updated and it would be super easy for Apple to just put this in the older versions. Sometimes they don't. Well, we'll see. But for, for now, we don't think it's a problem. So we got all these updates again. And do we need to worry about much? Because there was this one variant of the Schleyer malware, which we'll link to a couple of articles about this, one on TechCrunch that talks about how double-clicking an application could let it bypass Gatekeeper. And another one is about a 30,000-word article by Patrick Wardle on his Objective-C site, which goes into every single little detail that you might want to know about it. Yes, if you want all the extremely technical details, (laughs) you can read his very long blog post about that. If you're running big 
Big Sur or Catalina, make sure you get those patches installed as soon as possible to make sure that malware can't exploit that vulnerability on your system. Okay, tvOS has a feature that you actually were looking forward to and that we both tried out. How about you talk about this, Josh? Okay, yeah, I'm curious to see what your experience was, Kirk. So watching the Apple presentation, when they're talking about color calibration coming to the new Apple TV, I was like, oh, that's cool. That could be a reason for me to get the new Apple TV. And I kind of wondered, is this also going to come to tvOS on previous models? I have a fourth gen, the 1080p. The Apple TV HD is what they call it. Right. And I know that it can run tvOS 14, so I thought maybe it'll run 14.5. Sure enough, it did. It it got the new color calibration feature, and I was so excited to try it out. And <laughs> I went to my TV after getting the update installed. Of course, you also have to update your iPhone as well, because it requires an iPhone with Face ID, I presume the reason for that is because they want to make sure you've got a, a good enough front-facing camera for this to work. So you put your phone up against your TV, you go through this calibration process, and then they give you the results. And in my experience, it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> Was it not very good or just not different? Well... It, there was a very slight difference, but it actually looked a little bit worse to me in the Apple color calibrated version than just in the standard version. So here's what I was looking to do. I have an old television that I'm using with this Apple TV. This is a 2009 flat screen from Toshiba. And there's always been this kind of slightly reddish tint. It's not always very noticeable, but there are certain times where you really notice it. And uh, I thought, okay, great. I can finally do go beyond the color calibration that's built into the television and just have Apple correct it for me. And it turned out that didn't work out as well as I thought. And in fact, the cal calibrated version that Apple gave me was slightly more orange. And I'm like, what? Why? How, how could it have gotten this so wrong? So that was my experience. And I was very frustrated. The problem with color calibration is it's very subjective. You're used to certain colors and you expect to see certain colors. We're looking at each other on Skype right now, and your face has a slight orangish, reddish, what we'd call a flesh tone color to it, but it's probably not natural. And there's a combination of, of multiple things. It's the color of the display. It's the white balance that's being used, etc. When we look at particularly people, we want them to be slightly more slightly warmer when we talk about color warm is reddish and cold is bluish we want them to be warmer even though that's not what they really look like so it's really hard to know i'm going to put a link in the show notes to an article i've written on the intego mac security blog about color calibrating a mac and this is where i use a specific device that's designed for professionals photographers etc it's a long color calibration process and it changes a number of things not just the three principal colors but when you do this and when you switch to the previous one that you're used to and the other one, it may look wrong for a while. So you need to give it time to see what happens. Now, when I did it, the first problem was getting it to actually start. So I have a large TV, like 65 inch. So the phone outline on the screen of the TV, it's like, put the phone inside this outline, but it's like six times the size of the phone. Then I realized that it doesn't have to see the whole thing. It just has to see a little bit of it. And then I was holding it against the TV screen. It took a while before anything happened. Then I felt a little haptic tap, and then I could see the, the progress and the colors were changing. But it was really hard to get it going. It wasn't clear. 
at the end, there was a very slight difference in the, the before and after, and, and it showed this, what is this, sort of drone photo of beach and ocean, right? It's not the best thing to look at because you won't see the difference in the ocean, in the blue-green. That won't change. You'll see a slight difference on the sand. And in mine, I would say it was a tad warmer, but I'll have to look at it. I just did it before the show because I had forgotten to do it in advance, so I haven't watched anything on TV with it. I think you need to give it some time to see how it looks. Of course, it could just be that it's wrong because there's something with your TV that can't handle the color signal that's coming from the Apple TV. Absolutely. That is certainly possible. I have a very old television by today's standards. 2009 is the dinosaur era, I guess. I guess a better way to describe it is that the calibrated version was a warmer, had a warmer tone to it. So not not a huge difference, but slightly warmer. And that's not what I was looking for. I was actually looking for it to go the other direction be, to sort of overcompensate on, on the, the cooler side of the spectrum to make up for the two orange tint that I have on, by default on my television. So, But can't you adjust that in your TV settings? I've done everything that I can. It's adjusted as far to in, in the direction that I wanted as, as it's possible on that TV. By the way, so I also asked one of our other writers uh, for the Mac Security blog, Jay, whether he had a positive experience with this, because he also told me that he was really excited about this. And Jay said kind of the same thing that Kirk and I are, are both talking about. He said there was a noticeable difference, but he said, I'm not sure if I like it. Uh, for him, he th he thought it felt like it took away some of the contrast and put a hue over the screen. And he said before the beach was sand colored and the sea was blue green. After the beach seems to have the same blue green tint as the water. So interestingly, he actually had more of the experience that I was hoping to get out of this color calibration. Okay, I'm going to make a suggestion. You go back to your TV, you go to the color adjustment and and you set it to the default color, the ah. neutral color, and then you rerun it because perhaps your color adjustment was so far that somehow the TV isn't really interpreting what the Apple TV is sending correctly. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I, I think I, that I will try that. By the way, what Apple says that it's doing when you go through this process, though, you'll get a little dialog box on your on your phone. It'll say Apple TV calibrated your display's color by adjusting its white point. So that's the specific technique that Apple is doing to um, to calibrate your display. So the white point is what I said earlier, the white balance. That's one of the basic elements in photography and video. I have something, actually, I have a set of cards. One of them is white. One of them is what's called 18% gray, and one of them is black. And if you're shooting in certain environments, you want to take a photo just of these cards in your photo editing app, you have a white balance setting and you use an eyedropper to pick up the the white card and that's going to set the, the temperature adjustment for the white balance. If you go into the photos app and look at a photo, press return, go into edit mode, you'll see a white balance setting there. White balance is the thing that changes everything from warm to cool, but it doesn't change the other colors. So since you've already altered your colors, that makes me think even more that if you put your colors right to the middle, you might get a more satisfying adjustment through this. Cool. Well, I will try that as soon as we're done recording. Okay. In other news, there's an interesting airdrop vulnerability that's been discovered. And, and what I like about this is that it's sort of brute force, but it's showing how vulnerable computers are to computing power. I'll put a link in the show notes to an article I wrote some months ago on the Intego Mac security blog about quantum computing and how this will affect things like encryption and malware. And this isn't quantum computing, but 
some researchers figured out how to get email addresses and phone numbers from people over AirDrop. Now, when you use AirDrop, you have three settings. Your device can be discoverable by no one, by your contacts only, and by everyone. So when a device is looking to connect to your device, they're checking to see if your contact information is in their contacts and vice versa, right? So some security researchers figured out a way to, in less than a second, go through 10 billion possibilities to find out what someone's phone number is. Yeah, so the easiest way to describe this without getting too technical is that there's about 10 billion possible phone numbers. Um, technically, it's a little bit less than that because not all of the numbers in that space are actually being used. Like all the US numbers that start with 555. Right, exactly. There's no all zeros for the area code. There's no all fives for the area code and things like that. Um, so it's really much less than 10 billion, but there's a maximum of 10 billion if you, if you had everything from all zeros to all nines as a 10-digit phone number. So the, the way that that airdrop functions is it doesn't just send out your phone number or your email address to everybody around you. It's not good from a privacy perspective, obviously. Um, so what Apple does is it hashes those numbers or, and those addresses and then sends that out. So that makes it so that the process can be quick, but also not leak your information. Well, at least in theory. And so what the researchers found is that, of course, you can pre-calculate all hashes for all possible te uh, telephone numbers because there's not that many of them. Um, email addresses, uh, you know, there's a lot more potential email addresses, right? I mean, um, there's huge variety there and uh, there's no fixed number of digits or characters in, a, in an email address and so forth. But for phone numbers, um, it's not terribly difficult to pre-calculate what all those potential hashes could be and then look for those. So you can basically use this to find out anybody's phone number who happens to be near you who has AirDrop enabled. Speaking of phone numbers, do you know the story about the funny phone number that Steve Wozniak had back in the day? I don't know if I do know that one. He wanted a phone number that was 888-8888. And he finally got that phone number. And then he was getting up to hundreds of calls a day of where the phone would ring and there would be no one there, or he'd hear someone making some noises and then hang up. It turned out that with touchtone phones, babies would pick up the phone and they would just press the numbers and they would just keep pressing the number over and over and over. And 888-8888 was one of the ones that got pressed a lot. So Steve Wozniak got rid of that phone number after a while. Interesting. Yeah, it's. I, I would really, really hate to have, I think we've mentioned this before too, there was a, a phone number in a, in a famous song called Jenny that was 867-5309, and, and people <laughs> still to this day dial that number regardless of, you know, whatever area code you might live in, there are people with those phone numbers uh, and have to get calls asking for Jenny all the time. And uh, <laughs> I imagine it's very frustrating to have one of those numbers. That's like calling up a store and asking if they have Prince Albert in a can. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about a browser in the cloud, and we're going to talk about using Apple's AirTags, and we're going to talk about turning off app tracking in iOS. This is important. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2021. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, 
Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Big Sur and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. Okay, briefly, turning off app tracking in iOS, there's this new feature where you can basically prevent Facebook from making money off you. Well, that's not the only thing. Facebook went so far as to print full-page advertisements in newspapers in the United States saying that Apple was threatening the livelihood of small businesses who needed their Facebook ads to be personally targeted so that when you've bought cat litter from one place, they can show you ads of cat litter over and over for months, and believe me, this has happened. It's pretty simple to turn this on. You go into settings, privacy, and tracking, and there's a setting that says allow apps to request to track, and it's off by default. Leave it off. Don't put it on. If you put it on, apps will ask you if they can track you. And this tracking is the kind that Facebook does. You do a Google search for cat litter. You go to a grocery site for cat litter and looking at prices. And you go to a pet store and you look for cat litter. And so Facebook knows that you're really into cat litter. So don't turn this on. In some cases, people aren't seeing this option available. It's it's dimmed. We'll have an article on the Intego Mac security blog explaining how to get around this and what to do. But don't turn this on. Don't help Facebook. I'm very curious to see whether this has any impact on off-Facebook activity, which we talked about in a recent episode. Okay. The idea of hosting a web browser in the cloud is something that came up recently. Now, there's a company that already does this Cloudflare, but this is basically for business customers. A company called Mighty wants to make Chrome faster, says this article on 9to5Google, by streaming a browser from the cloud, starting on macOS. Now, if you use Chrome, well, you should switch browsers. But if you use Chrome, you know it takes up a lot of memory, makes your fan run. If you use a laptop, it can burn you. And... The thing is that if some cloud server is doing all the browser work and then sending you a page, presumably like in a PDF or something, then you don't have to use all those resources. You don't use as much bandwidth. You don't end up with your Mac going really slow because Chrome is hitting the virtual memory so much. Yeah. So this is kind of an interesting concept. There's a lot of different aspects of this that we could talk about. One is the angle that you're talking about here with just resources on your own uh, hardware. So if you don't need to be having your own computer do all the processing and and running all the advertisements and everything else, videos that preload and automatically play when you load a web page. If you're not having to deal with all that, then chances are the fans in your your computer are not going to have to spin up as much. Your device is going to run a lot cooler. And that's a great thing. There's also a security and privacy angle to this. If you've got web pages that you're visiting actually being rendered on someone else's computer in the cloud, then that makes it you know much more difficult for somebody to um, to track you and track your activity across the internet. And also if there happen to be vulnerabilities in that web page, 
they can't infect your computer because what's going to happen is that if this page is being rendered on a server and then being pushed to you in a completed rendered form, you're not going to get that same vulnerability that comes directly from the website. It won't be able to run on your computer in your browser. So there's performance benefits, there's security benefits. And so Mighty is a new app. The website is mightyapp.com. You can request access to be a beta tester for this and they'll have you fill out a survey. And it looks like what's going on here is that they want to charge you some amount to be able to use this on a subscription basis. This is not too too dissimilar from Puffin Browser, which we've mentioned in the past. One of its claims to fame is that it allows you to run Flash content, including on iOS. So the way that they do this is by pre-rendering that Flash content and then pushing it to you in a fully rendered page form. So rather than it being a true web browser where you're loading a web page on your device, you're having someone else load the web page and then send you the loaded web page in a in a nice basically like looking at a picture of the web page. I'm looking at the the presentation on the mightyapp.com website and it does look impressive. I'm not sure I need it because I have gigabit fiber and I don't use Chrome and I don't have that many tabs open. But I like the idea we were talking before the show about uh, I was reminiscing about how Wired back in the 90s was talking about thin clients and doing everything in the cloud. And we're almost there. Uh, You know, Chrome OS does that. and, And there are other ways to do it. And this is actually tempting. And the the problem that we'd get is scaling this. Imagine if Apple wanted to offer this as an iCloud service, how many data centers would they need to be able to do this? The amount of energy required, the amount of air conditioning to cool their data centers instead of our computers would be astronomical, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and that's exactly why there's no, that I know of anyway, there's no free version of something like this. Puffin Browser, on iOS, they have a pro version of their browser that uh, costs $4.99. I think it's a one-time purchase. And then they also have a subscription that you can get if you want to um, use their browser on the desktop on Mac OS. You can pay for a yearly subscription or a monthly subscription. Mighty, we don't know yet what it's going to cost, but it sounds like it's going to be some monthly subscription. Probably, I would guess they're not going to charge too much more than Puffin because I don't know how they would stay in business. In any case, so Mighty is another consumer-focused solution for doing this cloud rendering that, you know, is something to to keep an eye on. It it could be the future of keeping your Mac or or other system secure because, you know, a lot of attacks come through the web browser. Okay, I have another article on the Intego Mac security blog this week, 23 Things You Can Track with Apple's New AirTags. What did you find in that article, Josh, that is going to tempt you to stick an AirTag on? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, there were a lot of things that I was already kind of thinking that I might get AirTags for. So the initial reaction that I had is, oh, this would be a good thing to drop in my laptop bag. If I'm taking my laptop bag out in public someplace, if somebody grabs it and I hadn't noticed Maybe I'm sitting at a table at a conference and I've got the laptop bag on the floor and somebody grabs it while I'm focused on the presentation that somebody's giving and I didn't notice that somebody grabbed my bag. Well, I should be able to find where that bag is as long as I, as soon as I notice that it's gone, I can pull it up and find my and figure out where that air tag is and hopefully find my bag. 
I don't really lose keys, so I didn't worry too much about that. But I'm trying to think, like, what else could we use it for? I'm going to I'm gonna tell you a secret. My partner doesn't listen to this podcast, but early this afternoon, she texted me and said, did I leave my keys in the door at the house? I can't find my keys. And I texted back, you couldn't wait until Friday <laughs> to lose your keys again? Because that's when you're getting your air tags. Exactly. Well, that's when they're supposed to be delivered. And I don't lose my keys, but my partner misplaces her keys often. So there are a couple of things that struck me looking at this and looking at Apple's website. They're selling these tags to put on your luggage. Now, imagine you put a tag on your luggage that's visible on the outside of a bag and someone steals your bag. Do you think they're going to leave that tag there? I mean, Apple sells specific tags that go on your luggage, including a 449 Hermes tag, which I calculated for that price, you could buy either an iPhone SE, an iPad 8th generation, an iPad mini, AirPods Pro, or four HomePod minis for less than the price of that luggage tag. But don't you think if someone steals your luggage, they're just going to leave that tag on that's visible? So if you want to put something in your luggage, you put it inside in a pocket in in the bottom. You don't put a a visible tag on it. Yeah, I I agree with you. It doesn't really make sense to have a luggage tag for your AirTag because then it's really obvious to somebody that you're trying to track the location of that and they just pull it off and, you know. Uh, so that seems kind of silly. Either put it in a pocket, that's the simplest solution, or if you want to get really sneaky and spy-like, you know, look, Tom pull the Tom Cruise sort of uh, thing, you can find a little place in your luggage or your bag or whatever and sneak the AirTag in there and then sew it shut. So it's not obvious that there's an AirTag in your luggage. Another good thing to use an AirTag for is your bicycle, your skateboard, your scooter. Now, The biggest company that does this sort of Bluetooth tracking device is Tile, and they sell stick-on Tile tags. Apple doesn't have that yet. They could come up very easily with something that holds the AirTag and then sticks on that you could stick under the seat of your bicycle or skateboard. I'd say in the meantime, just use some duct tape. It doesn't really matter what this thing looks like. As an aside, I went on Amazon to see how many third parties already have accessories for AirTags. There are companies that sell AirTag screen protectors. What? Plastic things to put on the metal side with the Apple logo of the AirTag to prevent it from getting scratched. Now, I know there are a lot of people who are obsessed about putting screen protectors on everything, but seriously. It's not even a screen. Well, no, it's not. But I, it's like, you. do you want that Apple logo to get scratched? And the, the early reviewers who've had advanced AirTags have said, yeah, it's going to scratch easily. And it kind of makes sense. It's just, it's not meant, it's a $29 device. It's not like an Apple Watch or an iPhone. So don't worry about that. One other thing we were talking about before the show, you liked how I mentioned about, if you put it on your cat, you can find if they've been trapped in your neighbor's barn. And this is actually something that happens. I live next to a farm and my cat sometimes gets stuck in the barn. It's about 50 yards from the house. The the farmer doesn't usually close the barn, but at certain times of year he does. And just this summer, one of our cats got trapped there twice, and it took a while for us to find her. I don't know if I'm going to actually put a collar with an air tag on my cats. They're they're not going to like that. And and you point out in your article that Apple actually does not recommend using the air tags this way. But, you know, there are scenarios like this where I think that's an ingenious idea. Like, you know, being able to walk by a barn, a locked barn that, you know, you don't have the key for because it's your neighbor's, right? And being able to, to tell for sure... Even if your cat's being silent, right, and not meowing for help, exactly, you can walk by the barn and know exactly where your cat is. Uh, that's super, yeah. super helpful, I think. And it could save your cat's life. You know, who knows? So, yeah, there was a, one other thing I wanted to call out in your article here that 
I, after reading this, I was like, duh, Apple, how, how could you, how could you not do this? You mentioned that you could theoretically tape an AirTag to your, your remote for your Apple TV. Apple has a brand new remote that they just announced for, for their new Apple TVs. And guess what? It doesn't have a way to track it. What do people do with a remote if not lose it? I mean, that, that's the same thing you do with your keys, right? The whole purpose of, a, of keys and remotes is to get lost in the couch cushions. I lose my remote far more often than I lose my keys. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially you're talking about this tiny little Apple TV remote. These are not huge, giant remotes. For whatever reason, Apple did not build in find my capabilities into the new Apple remote, which, by the way, Roku did in their latest remote. You can actually talk to your Roku and tell it to find my remote and it'll start playing a sound on your remote. Ah, that's clever. Now, the only problem with taping this to your remote is the AirTag is eight millimeters thick. Yes. Now, does that sound like a lot? Because eight millimeters is actually the thickness of an iPhone 11 or an iPhone 12. That's quite thick when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's it is a lot to stick onto a remote. I mean, maybe uh, maybe there will be a solution where you can get a case designed for the new Apple remote that you can easily slip an AirTag into, and then it, maybe it'll be sort of tilted upward a little bit, so you can you know have that on your armrest or or behind the remote, like a case that's longer than the remote with a circular space. At the bottom. Yeah, that could so work. That would be, but it's still thicker than the, the current Apple TV remote. I don't know about the new one. Okay, so if you make products like this, we're giving you some free advice. <laughs> here, here, here's a possibility. I, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to do this. I mean, uh, like you, I as soon as Apple announced AirTags, I know that they've been rumored for a really long time. So the first thing I did was jump on Amazon too to see what products were already available. And even at that time, there were already products in the $10 price range that were accessories for AirTags uh, that were just ready to pull the trigger and capitalize on this as soon as Apple made the official announcement. So I would say within a month or two, you're probably going to find a lot of accessories that are very inexpensive. All right, let me give a shout out to Moment. They're the first one that I've seen that's come up with a mounting device for an AirTag, and they've got a fabric mount, they've got a shell mount, they've got a covered surface mount, and I think some of them stick on. And really clever, glasses straps. So our producer, Doug, is sitting there, and he's got these what do you call them? These sort of librarian things so he can take his glasses off and hang them around his neck. Well, Moment has a strap like that with an AirTag holder that, that goes behind them. So when you take your glasses off and put them down, you can find them again. Cool. I'm sure there will be a lot of really clever innovations in the AirTag accessory space. If any listeners have any ideas for more things to track with the AirTags, we will increment our article, which is currently at 23 things you can track with Apple's new AirTags. Drop us a line at podcast at intigo.com. And if you've got an interesting idea, we'll add it and we'll see how high we can get with our number. On the Intigo Max Security blog, in a couple of days, we'll have an article about using the AirTags. Basically, I'm supposed to get them on Friday, so by the end of the day Friday, I should be able to post an article, if not early next week. Do you have any on order, Josh? Mm, I haven't ordered them yet. I was really tempted to, but I was kind of waiting for my wife's feedback, and she's kind of like on the fence about it. Uh, I haven't ordered them yet. I'm thinking about it, though. Interestingly, Amazon UK is selling them. 
the AirTags themselves, Amazon US is not. Amazon UK has them, and they're saying that they're going to be available. They're going to be released on April 30, so you'd probably get them the next day. They have single packs and four packs, but Amazon US doesn't. I don't know why. Huh. Interesting. Because if you order them from Apple now, you're going to have to wait a while to get them. The, the delivery times slip relatively quickly. In fact, I'm glad I got mine at three minutes after 1 p.m. because 10 minutes later, it was about a week or more for delivery. I'm just looking on Apple UK, and if I were to order AirTags today, I wouldn't get them until mid-June. So they really do seem to be popular. I would have expected that Apple making gazillions of these little things wouldn't have the same problem they do with every new iPhone. But apparently AirTags are going to be in demand. All right. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com. <laughs>